Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Pretty the fits and needs of their buyers. Call David at first on 459-8565. And Craig Struble is with us to kick things off. He's the clinical supervisor out at Intermountain here in Helena. Craig, I, it sounds like you got a busy day, so I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, no problem. We I enjoy doing this. Yeah, but you got you got work to, to do today. I actually do have some work to do today. We're <laughs> double duty in it today, and and not with Intermountain. You 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 got to uh, you got to deal with some livestock. Today. Yeah, I'm doing some helping some do some cattle work. So this yeah. morning, yeah. Uh, for for those that uh, maybe haven't heard you on the show before, can you introduce yourself? So I'm Craig Struble. I'm a clinical director in the outpatient services <clears throat> part of Intermountain. I oversee the co-occurring services, which is uh, mental health and substance use typically uh, but do a lot of crisis work with the hospital some stuff inside the schools and uh, just try to help in the community with services yeah so daily your your work's pretty varied yeah yeah for sure it you know i never i wake up each morning and make a phone call to the hospital to see if i have to show up there and from there i get to decide what my day is going to look like so yeah it, it so it, craig with inner mountain uh, maybe i mean it, it might be grabbing a number out of the air but how many kids are you helping every you know day or month or year or whatever that number is that you can just give people an idea of, of sort of the scope of services well in our in our outpatient clinic um you know i bet i would say think here real quick off the top of my head we probably see a hundred and twenty some hundred and thirty some kids okay. uh, a month or a, a week just in outpatient therapy that's okay. not counting you know people that come in for occupational therapy or psychiatry services stuff like that or even what the case managers see that's typically what a week and then the, the school district is four times yeah, that lot. probably just yeah i mean you're it's it's a significant number i mean you're yeah. you're out there making an impact with a, a lot of kids i guess it's not just kids it's it, you, you work with families as well right we do we do i mean our our whole model is based off of relationship and you know you can't you can't help a kid if you don't want to work with the family as well because it's a family system mm-hmm. um, so you got to help the family figure out how to adjust to things or how to change change ways that they do things or just even to help them to help their kid work through coping skills so yeah if we if we didn't work with families it wouldn't be successful yeah craig stribbles with us this morning on coffee break a busy morning we actually got three guests in i thought we had two we've got three so it's going to be busy it's going to be like a hockey game just jumping over the boards and moving along we're going to make it all work uh, craig is a clinical supervisor out there at intermountain and uh, with kids now sort of settling into being back in school you know, five days a week, you do have folks that are in the schools working with them. Even if school doesn't look quite like normal, normal right now, it, it, it's closer. But how has that been going? Um, it, it's been nice, I think, for uh, people to be back in the school setting. Um, you know, there's still, even though it's getting maybe closer to normal, there's still a lot of anxiety that goes on because you don't really know from day to day um, how things might change and, and just. Um, you know, things like mask mandates or what it means to quarantine or when you have to quarantine, all that stuff still is changing um, and trying to stay on top of that. It's probably been the biggest anxiety for staff, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, some of that still is going to flow to the kids that we serve and the families and, and just trying to help guide people through that to try to relieve some of the anxiety around that is 
you know, a big part of what they're doing. Is that what we're seeing right now? I mean, because you you get the mental, the emotional, there's all sorts of stuff going on, but does it all just sort of filter into just a sense of anxiety because there's so many different things that kids just, uh, they're not sure about. And they're trying to adjust to something they haven't been doing for two years. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think anxiety is one of those things that uh, sometimes gets overlooked. Um, certainly there's a lot of anxiety that goes on with kids in their transition years, you know, and with COVID everything's kind of been a transition year. Um, but especially when you look at that, you know, transition to middle school, so sixth grade mm-hmm. or transition to high school, the, that freshman age group, um, anxiety can really increase that adjustment to, to that new setting is, is a big deal. And I think that's important for, for parents to kind of recognize and be aware of that, um, you know, and have conversations with their kids about, because that is, that is a big, it's a big step. Sometimes it might not see, and school district does a good job of trying to um, prepare kids for that transition, you know, meetings at the end of the school year before they transition, stuff like that. But it's still, it's a, it's a big shift. Um, and, you know, and then you add the anxiety of the world onto it, that that right. makes it, you know, worse. Yeah. Kids are watching the news too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, and they got used to about a year and a half of doing things in in large part on their own schedule and now all of a sudden they're on somebody else's schedule yeah yeah and that's definitely i mean there's definitely been a shift in how the the younger generation uh looks at things that way and that you know that's a big part of it that technology um you know the the shift that we had to uh go to with when covid came out um you know so kind of i think parents need to recognize that uh, the kids our kids experience in school is way different than what mm-hmm. we had <laughs> yeah yeah they're walking to school uphill yeah. both ways yeah so yeah. so it might not be you know i think it's always important to remember what the kids perception of their reality is doesn't mean that it's wrong it's just how they're perceiving mm-hmm. it so it's real to them and and having being able to have an understanding like that uh when you're having conversations with your kids i think that's important one you mentioned uh, you, you do some work with the kids up at the up, up at the hospital what are you seeing there right now so you know, I have seen a. I, I I'm doing a lot of crisis work up there, so mm-hmm. it's typically kids that have some uh, suicidal ideation stuff like that. Um, right now, it seems to be in the younger age range, that you know, 12 to 14, you know, which kind of speaks back to what we were talking about—the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, there's depression involved there, but uh, a, a lot of anxiety, and I think a lot of that comes just from uh, changes in the school setting, but also the world, uh, you know, and, and kids that have some pretty significant mental health issues too. Um, you know, I, I think it's, and, and there's a, been a shift in some of the service array. So it's, it's, uh, tough to get the right services sometimes, which a lot of times is stemmed from, a work, uh, you know, lack of employees to, mm-hmm. to serve those yeah. needs. Uh, so that makes it a little bit harder and, um, but a lot of anxiety driven stuff. Uh, coming through the hospital. So, uh, as we said, uh, Craig, busy for us today and busy for you. So we're going to work on getting you out the door. Um, it's something that we could certainly spend a full show on and, and even longer uh, than we're given. But um, before we let you go, what can we do? Maybe is there a, a, one or two things that we as parents, as as grandparents, as neighbors, what can we do to help kids with the anxiety that they're experiencing right now? You know, one thing that I think, and it, I, I saw an article today about Big Brothers Big Sisters and how they were looking for some help, and sometimes I think we don't think that we can help out because we're not that professional and, you know, we don't have a lot of um, experience with, with that field, but just um, building relationships 
uh, goes a long ways. And so, you know, I think as a community, the more we can help to in, in, engage with, with kids uh, in a positive way, uh, I think that's that's an important thing um, to help in the success of kids. There's studies that show that, you know, that being involved in, in a positive way in a kid's life who might have a troubled home life or something, uh, you know, there's an 80% chance that that's going to be a, a, a bring a positive impact to that kid mm-hmm. and change the direction, course of their life. So uh, just be there. Yeah, be there, listen, um, be a positive role model, not always assume that adolescents are trying to cause trouble. Right. right. Just uh, just be like Craig. <laughs> Do your best to be like Craig. Craig Struble is a clinical supervisor out at Intermountain here in Helena and uh, doing a lot of work with uh, with the kids in our community. So, Craig, uh, thank you for that, and thank you for your time this morning. You bet. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Lots more to come on Coffee Break. Stick around. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome back to Coffee Break. Troy Shockley with you this morning. Sure appreciate you hanging out with us and a busy show, a good show for you today. The show is brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. Finding the perfect buyer for your home doesn't have to be daunting. Call David at Versant 459-8565. Thanks once again to Craig Struble for chatting with us this morning. He's got to go work with some cattle much easier chatting with me than what he's got lined up for him the rest of the morning. Steve Marks is joining us here in the uh, the second segment of the show. Steve is the owner of Marks Lumber out in uh, Clancy. So uh, thanks for coming in. You're probably just a little busy today as well. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple of years. It's uh, tired of being so busy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, but, but it keeps you out of trouble, it right? Does, it does do that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of challenges. Can you introduce yourself to folks, Steve, in case uh, we were chatting just during that short break? And Steve's been here. Your family's been here, you said, since 1890? Yeah, so my, my great-great-grandfather came here from Maine in a covered wagon and down into the Whitehall area and settled there and then was uh, ranching there and moved to Boulder, up the little Boulder, <clears throat> and had a little mine there and sold that for a few bucks and then come over towards Jefferson City and they uh, – stopped there and then my grandfather great-great-grandfather and his brother split up and then they came down to our my great-great-grandfather came to our place and and bought some ground and then we just uh kind of grew from there my grandfather was born in 1900 my dad was born in 1932 he'll be 90 here in january and i've just put the place together as as they could and sawmill was part of that process and they cut timbers for mines around the mountains basin and okay. all that country and near Wicks. And uh, I came along in 1959 and grew up ranching. And we did that for um, my adult life, till my adult life. And then in uh, 78, I started logging and uh, on our ranch. And then in uh, 89, we built a, we rebuilt our old sawmill, started cutting road ties and guardrail posts and merchandising our you know our logs into that and anyway it just grew from there and um we sold the last of our cattle in 2002 i guess it was and focused on um manufacturing lumber and 
used our business model, made our business model a retail manufacturing retail, and that's been our success. And okay, you know, today we have uh, 23, 25 employees, uh, um, and we're involved in for a lot of forestry issues as well. And um, yeah, yeah, well, and that's something I know you want to talk about today. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Montana Forest Products Week. Uh, can you fill us in on that? What that's all about? So, Montana Forest Product Week was. Um, the act was put together a few years ago to recognize what forest products is for Montana, what brings Montana. One is the most important uh, aspect of that is taking care of our natural resource. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the we are the gatekeepers of our forest products, of forests, natural forests, private forests, and without the f- forest products manufacturing facilities throughout the state, um, we lose the uh, tool to convert those, that raw material into usable fiber. You know, all of our building products, um, OSB, uh, particle board, dimensional lumber, two by fours, down to the specialty products we make, which is all, most of our stuff is all rough lumber that's used for, we call the mountain modern look. Uh, and just grew from that. and. I've got a passion for good forestry. We have to take care of our forests, and um, the abundance of uh, very sick forests. Um, yeah. Just, it's just, uh, I always use the analogy of uh, forests are like your yard or your garden. You have to take care of them, or an alfalfa field. And if, if we don't, we, we get the sky filled uh, with smoke, um, and that's not, but smoke's not going to all go away. You know, forests are still going to yeah, burn. Yeah, still going to happen. Take care of them, but yeah. if we thin our forests and get our ladder fuels taken care of, we can get in front of those fires and and stop them. And, yeah, and, and I think too often people are criticizing, saying, "Well, you say thin the forest, that's just because you're greedy and you want that no. that lumber, right?" Yeah. And that, yes, you want that lumber. That's your business, but it's it, it's. It, it goes hand in hand. You're you're promoting health, and you, you've got a business. I mean. It, they, they help each other. Yeah, that's the that's the end game of, of taking care of a forest is you got to create something out of, out of the residuals and or the fiber. And um, the truth of the matter is, if we don't take care of that forest, they're going to take care of it themselves, and that's through fire. Well, man has taken fire out of the equation, and the Forest Service has taken fire out of the equation. And we try to do some prescribed burns, which is good, but we can't we can't manage our forest with with prescribed burns because they're so heavily fueled uh we've got a project just out of town here it's called the brooklyn bridge project it's a gna project um there's there's 40 some thousand tons of wood that in that sale that we bought uh we lost about 22 percent of that in the lump gulch fire here a year ago and that was in the very early part of june and that to me was a huge huge eye-opener what is sitting what helmet is sitting in and you see these homes on the south side of town and unionville and they're sitting in a tender box and and it just uh it's so important that we manage our forests get rid of the the fuels there's you know there's about a hundred tons an acre of fiber on on the land south of here and um we're taking off about 70 to 80 we're not clear cutting it. Some places we are where lodgepole is, mm-hmm. where we have a mixed species stand of dug fur and, and uh, lodgepole. We we take out thin the fur and, and take all the dead lodgepole off. But it's 
you know, it's being taken care of and it's making better wildlife habitat. And is it, is it ugly? Yeah, it's ugly for a while, but it takes years and years to get like this. And if we don't keep uh, actively managing our forests, we're, we're just fooling ourselves. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, it's a little ugly after a forest fire too. It is. So. And, yeah, you know, that's one thing. I mean, I think people need to realize is, uh, you know, folks like uh, Steve, they, they want to take care of the forest here in Montana just as much or more than we do because it's no different than a farmer. You know, he's not going to plant that field and suck all the nutrients out of it. He's going to take care of the land that he has. Yeah. And you're doing the same thing. Healthy forest so important to uh, to all of us, and certainly for your business, you want you want to manage that and keep that going. And uh, part of that is uh in, inviting in those lumber businesses for example to help, yeah, help so keep these forests you know a good uh, good example of what this would look like if folks you know the people here go to park lake it's like a freeway mm-hmm. up there in the summertime and the chessman flume project here was uh done a few years ago and there's some uh cuts there available to view but as they get to park lake there's some old cuts there that my brother and i did in the 70s and there is no dead trees in them. There's no beetle hit trees. They're young, healthy trees, and they're actively growing. And the and the bugs don't attack those. So, at that time when the when the infestation comes through, and that's active forest management. If you take it off, it's going to come back, and it's going to come back healthy. And then you need to manage that regrowth, and you have to thin it. And you know, the uncon- you know, unfortunately. Um, there's not a lot of post-treatment done on, on timber sales. Mm-hmm. They, you, you, they go in and cut them. These trees come back thick. You know, and it needs to be, they need to be thinned. And um, I'm not blaming the folks at the foresters, but that is a problem with um, some of the practices that are, that are going on. Either going and thin them or if, the, if, the, if it's a species like the Doug fir, like take Mount Helena, for example, where it's mostly Doug fir, they've gone in and thinned that stuff well, give it three or four years, and you'll see those little pine, those little fir trees come up there, a foot tall. And in all reality, what that hat needs is a is a flash burn. Yeah. But they can't do that there. And we treated thousands of acres in the in the scratch gravel, not thousands, probably fifteen hundred acres in the scratch gravel hills ten years ago, under a contract we had, and thinned it out real nice. Now go back and look where we thinned. And we got all this conifer encroachment coming again, and it needs to be burnt off. And once you do that a couple times and get rid of that seed source, then you have grasslands coming in. It'll stay that way for a while. But ponderosa pine, especially in these lower elevation, is terribly uh, encroach- encroaching. It just it grows crazy. Yeah, we it need take uh, a lot of water. And, we yeah. we need Steve out there in our forest taking anyway, care of this because this guy knows us. about yes. it yes. um we we, we got to uh finish up our segment here but before we do i want to uh, let you know about an event coming up on october 15th it's going to be out at uh mark's lumber out there in clancy um w- what's going on there quick so we just have a open house uh, we have a hot dogs and a coke and and tours and um some educational uh things on forest management and what it looks like and and you know they go people go through the mill and they see what it takes to make a, a two by six or a, a two by ten or a timber and it's it's really cool people yeah. haven't been through a sawmill it's um we're a small mill we're the we're the largest of the smalls but um what we do is done in in big mills because we're a specialty mill but yeah it's, so go out it's there and uh, yeah. see what he watching him 
turn a tree into a, a, a kitchen floor. It'll yeah. be pretty cool. There you go. That's and and uh, free lunch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, head on out there. That's October 15th. Uh, what, what time is that running? Uh, I think it starts at 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So 10, uh, 10 o'clock to, 10 I think it was like 2, I think. Something like okay. That. Yeah. So 10, we'll call it that. We'll, yeah. we'll say that. Yeah. October 15th, 10 to 2, out at uh, Mark's Lumber in Clancy. Steve, thanks for coming in. Thanks for what you're doing out yeah. there for our force. You bet. Thank you. I appreciate it. Stick around. Yeah. We got a little bit more coffee break coming up. In today's always on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state of the art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back into Coffee Break. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, just a handful of minutes left today. And uh, Joe Konauer is in with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And you know what? He's coming back in tomorrow. But we wanted to uh, get to a couple things. And the one thing that we're going to hit today just as a finisher is uh, you've, you've got a uh, you got an event coming up, Joe. Yep, we got a great big fundraiser coming up. Our 36th annual banquet is going to be October 9th at the fairgrounds at 430 and if you want tickets, just get a hold of Jess at 406-461-5721. And she will be happy to sell you tickets. Yeah, it's a great big... And we have a celebration this year, too. Okay. Um, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation kind of brokered a big land deal in the South Elkhorns. Um, we opened up 1,400 acres of private ground. And the coolest thing about this this purchase, though, is this, this ground was kind of strategically placed where... It was private before, and a road went right through it. And the landowners, which is their right, closed the road. Mm -hmm. And so now that road is open. You can actually drive from Raidersburg all the way to Boulder through there. Okay. And even though it didn't open up property directly, if you want to drive through there, you can't actually do that now, which is really neat. Back yeah. in the in the 90s, it was open. You could drive through there and everything. And and these folks just decided, got rid of, got tired of people driving through the land, so they just closed it. So now it is open. I mean, it's a great acquisition. Uh, we kind of brokered the deal. The RMEF did. They started working on the deal um, about a year and a half ago when we heard it was up for sale. Uh, Mike Mueller, who's our lands conservation director on Missoula, started working on it, talked to the owners, and they were excited about selling it. We were excited about buying it. Uh, we started looking around for people, and, and the Montana uh, Land and Conservation Trust and Montana um, Outdoor Legacy Foundation just stepped up and said, we're going to write a check for it. So that's wow. what they did. And, you know, bitty bang, and it's done. All of a sudden, there you go. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to dig more into that because I think that's a fantastic uh, purchase, and it's a, a great deal for folks here in this area. Um, and we're we're going to do that tomorrow. We're going to have Joe on the show uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, dig into that uh, that new acquisition, but in terms of uh, the banquet, who who can show up to this thing, Joe? Just anybody. Anybody can show. Oh, you don't yeah. have to be a member, um, or do actually, you? We will actually sell you a membership to get. Well, there go you go. There. And we we welcome everybody. You know, it's a great organization founded in Montana, nineteen eighty four. Four guys sitting around a kitchen table in Troy, Montana, and they just said, you know what? We're losing habitat. We're losing places to hunt. Um, and let's do something about it. And a couple guys went down the bank and pretty much got a second mortgage on their house. Um, they incorporated and they held their first banquet, I believe, over in Spokane or Coeur d'Alene over in Idaho. And um, 
and we are banquet um, chapter number two in Montana and seventh in the nation. And we've been around since 1985, and we have raised a lot of money for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Helena has, and they, I'm very proud of that. That's that's a great thing. We're one of the top. 10 um, banquet locations in the nation right now which is fantastic because you know based on size you wouldn't think that might necessarily be the case right right and and you know we have a a great community that believes in our organization and believes in what we do yeah well i believe in what you do joe you you do a lot of work out there and i i really really appreciate it so if people want to get tickets to this thing what do they need to do just get a hold of jess erickson 406-461 five seven two one or if you like to email you can email rmef elkhorn at gmail.com or if you want to go into the rmef.org slash events go down to helena elkhorn chapter and our basically invite letters there and we will sell you tickets we'll sell you a table um we'd be happy to see you it's 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 fun we have a we i mean we put the fun in fundraiser so there you go that's what i enjoy yeah uh joe we're all out of time but you as i said we're gonna have joe on the show tomorrow we're gonna dig more into the acquisition and into the banquet we'll see you then thank you i'm troy shockley and that's it for coffee break today be sure to check us out on itunes head on over give us a review there that's always much appreciated or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com thanks for tuning in we'll see you back here tomorrow